Point out the colors of you. I see them too, and boy, I like them. I like them. I like them. We wait to fly to partake in all this hate. We out here vibing. We vibing. We vibing. Alexa, play Ariana Grande. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. Feral Audio. Dun 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 Well, hey everybody, it's me, Steve Agee, coming at you, recording this intro about 3.30 in the morning, Thursday, the 14th of January, 2016, uh, trying to get my intro (laughs) out so Dustin can get this thing put out today, Um, and so I can keep a, a good record of podcasting going this year. I'm doing it. I'm going to get them out. Uh, my guest, uh, this week is Duncan Trussell, uh, my good friend and comedian hosted the Duncan Trussell family hour podcast, which you should check out. It's amazing. I'm really excited to have him on. I, I love talking to him. He's one of those people that I, I don't get to see a lot of. And when I do, I'm really stoked. I like his, uh, I don't know, philosophies, his life philosophies, for lack of a better word. Um, we get into some pretty heavy shit. I talk, uh, you know, a bit about my father passing away, and I get a little bit emotional, obviously. Um, but it's a good one. I had a really fun time talking to Duncan. I didn't kind of didn't want it to end, but, um, you know... I'm not one of those people that can do a three-hour podcast. Duncan can, and he's good at it. I can't. I just kind of... Oh, my refrigerator stopped. Now it's quiet. It's so quiet. You can hear a pin drop. Listen. That's what a pin dropping sounds like when it's really... (laughs) When it's really quiet. Yeah, you didn't know that, did you? When it's really quiet, a pin dropping sounds like someone banging a bottle of Snapple on their desk. Anyway, uh, I won't make this intro go on very much longer. Uh, My thanks to Duncan for doing the podcast. Uh, I hope you like it. I love doing this one. And um, I already have another one in the bag for next week. Uh, Looking forward to... uh, letting you listen to my friend Dean Del Rey, very funny comedian, but that'll be out next week. Um, I'm assuming this is coming out today, Thursday, the 14th of January. If that's the case, then you can see me tomorrow night, the 15th of uh, January in San Francisco as part of San Francisco sketch fest. Uh, I'm doing uh, the show that I co-host with my friend, Brendan small, of Metalocalypse and home movie fame. And it's called Baked. And it's uh, stand-up comedy and music. Excuse me. Uh, our guests will be Ben Cronberg, Lorraine Newman, 
and Matt Bronger. It's going to be a goodie. Um, so if you're in San Francisco, I hope you can make it, uh, go to sfsketchfest.com and you can find out times and locations. All right, let's get this podcast rolling. Thanks for listening. And, uh, we'll catch you next week. Thanks. bad vertigo today are you really yeah i've had it for 20 years and there's just days when it's tolerable and i mean it's always i've made it tolerable always but um like today like i bent down to plug something in and i was like oh shit i think a lot of it's my health too i need to like i went vegan a few years ago yeah like five or six years ago for like four months yeah not really by choice. I, you know, I was working on a script with someone who was vegan, and we were writing together every day, so it was just easier for me to eat what she was eating. Yes. So it wasn't like a a, a moral choice or anything. I was just like, no, oh, I guess I'll eat this. Oh, this is good. And I lost like forty five pounds in like four wow. months. My allergies were all gone. Wow. I got to get a fecal transplant. No, is that true? I heard that if you take a turd. Yeah. From like a very healthy vegan guy. Like if you could find a guy who's vegan and jogs and you could take one of his turds. And <laughs> jogs. <laughs> and get one of his turds and get it into your butt. Then supposedly this has been done. It makes you start craving what like, they eat. What they eat. Because so much of what people do is apparently being controlled by the colonies of bacteria in your gut. That are, con- that are just marionetting your ass. But can't you just, don't you think you can just force them out by making yourself eat that way? Well, that's the hard way. That's the hard way. This is I like. I would rather do the hard way than put someone's shit in my own it. Why? You don't ass. have taste buds in your ass. <laughs> I think I would lose sleep at night knowing someone else's shit was in my intestine. It's not the shit. The shit is the Trojan horse. You're sending in missionaries, baby. <laughs> You're sending in these new microorganisms. That are that are that are like they're like cultists. It's like you're sending in. It's no different than when you send missionaries into some plague-ridden part of the world. You're sending in all these healthy organisms, and I guess they wipe out the the organisms that are telling you to eat cheese. Is this proven though that it? Did you hear this from Rogan? No, I just heard it on, with my friend Jarvis on the phone. We were talking about like, because listen, Jarvis, ev- my friend Jarvis says you got to put shit in your butt. Everybody's getting fat, man. The holidays hit. I was just at the the gym. I gained so much fucking weight. I was eating pecan pies. Now I'm all plumped up. Yeah. You don't look fat. At thank all. You, you look great. I thank you. I, I really appreciate that, man. But I'm definitely fat because like I. Well, I go to this gym where they measure you, and I know my body fat before the holidays. I know it after. I went up like 6% body fat. My trainer was astounded. Like, he thought it was defied the laws of physics no. that I could have gained that much weight. And uh, so, yeah, so it's so I, you know, I, I've been looking into this shit. I just saw a TED talk about a woman whose child had autism. And so she starts feeding the kid a gluten free diet yeah. because her theory is. Your body is an ecosystem mm-hmm. that if it's getting out of control, then what happens is you start having very specific symptoms related to either too much of some kind of organism inside yeah. of you or too little. That totally makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Worth a little poop pill up your butt. Uh, so it's so in a pill form. I don't know how they I mean, they don't it. freeze a turd and then 
insert it into your ass. Well, it's like I wonder. Because you would just shit that out right away. They got to get it in there deep. So that's something I think about. It's like I don't know what the process is, like how they implant the turd. Could you just eat it? I think you. I I don't see why not. I think Uh, I'm gonna start gagging. (laughs) (laughs) I don't see why you can't do it yourself. Could you like go to a like the question is like okay, so if turd implants shift your personality. Could you go to like a just a any toilet and if there was a turd in there oh, and no. you put it in your asshole? <laughs> I mean maybe, but you don't that's a gamble, man. That's Russian roulette. You might, you know, get some really bad health guys. But that could be part of the fun. It's like you just see what happens, you know? Or like, <laughs> could this be a kind of detective yeah. who puts the turd of the person they're hunting into his butt and by and then takes on his personality and knows or yeah, inside the the body of a killer. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you imagine this, so if they're saying that these microorganisms are, are changing your behavior, a mummy. If you found an an, a, an ancient turd and you put it in your butt, could you take on the personality <laughs> of like King Tut? <laughs> Attack of the mummy's shit. <laughs> I I don't I don't I just don't see why you would have to do it with a, a turd. Why why you couldn't just get the bacteria and then take a pill? I, I mean, but I've heard of this too. I've know. heard of fecal transplants. They make it seem like people. I've heard about it for people with like Crohn's. Yes, and that's but that's where I. That's about all I've heard about it. Was like, you know, I've heard friends joking. You know, friends who've had Crohn's and other friends are like, oh well, you know, I heard there's this thing called a fecal transplant. Yeah. If you want to eat some of my shit, you can. <laughs> I'm just like, ah, yeah. I don't know why the transplant thing is. I th- it makes it seem. Like you know, I want to, it makes me think of a heart transplant. It yeah. makes me think they're doing something more than what it must just be like a a pipe or something with a turd at the end that you shove in. Ugh. Like it can't be. A, it's not like a transplant. I had no idea going into this that this is where we would. I didn't be starting either. Up. I didn't either. Because I have such a, a strong aversion to anything to do with shit. I'm sorry. You know, I we don't have to keep talking about it. I uh, I didn't mean to start off. On, no, it's fine. With poop trans, I just I just gotten off the phone with my friend, and we were talking about Jarvis getting healthy and like <laughs> Jarvis, and I and like yeah, I was thinking yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. You know, fasting too. Yeah. Like if you fast theoretically for a certain amount of time, maybe you're like pressing reset on the yeah. colonies, or if you fast and then add. Like drink some, I don't know. The my my girlfriend drinks these horrendous little cup couplets of of some kind like of shot just, glass of of stinking stuff. Like I don't know what it is. It's white and it just smells just rancid. And she Ugh. eats these and like supposedly that helps your digestion because you're getting good bacteria in there. But Are they it's, like probiotic stuff, like yeah, occult like, type stuff. Yeah, hardcore probiotic couplets that are just are just little, these little mini they're disgusting but that helps too i think if you combine that with fasting maybe it's also the time of year where everyone this is when people think i think most about losing weight and getting in shape because it's the time of the year for resolutions and yes. like you're like oh last year was bad i gotta i gotta change and i'm 46 now yeah you know, I know people that have had heart attacks at 46. No, nope, easy. Yeah, easy before 46. Yeah, Todd Glass had his heart attack, I think, at 46. Yeah, it just happens. 
Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, I got to get in shape. Last year was bad. I was stress eating, you know, almost the entire year because my dad being sick. So it was like just trips back and forth to the hospital where I was just stopping at uh. Carl's Jr., McDonald's, Wiener Schnitzel, and I just didn't give a fuck. I was like, oh, we're all yeah. dying. This is fucking, yeah. why not? I, I want to eat something delicious. I don't fucking care. And then that was just affecting my health and and ultimately affecting my sleep. So I was sleeping like four hours a night. It was just like the worst fucking year. And now I'm like so much heavier than I usually am. So I, you know, I'm starting to now just cook for myself. And I haven't had fast food in a long time. That's good. It was, yeah. And I took up meditation, which... uh it's been shocking. I guess not shockingly, because I mean, I, I pretty much most people I know that meditate are like, "Yeah, dude, you gotta, gotta try it," and it's been pretty awesome. I don't think people are aware of how powerful a thing it is because they've heard it so much that it that it, it's e- so easy to overlook yeah. that you could just stop moving yeah. for a certain period of time in the day and focus on yeah, your breath. Yeah, I just do it like twenty minutes twice a day, and I. I notice a difference. I've only been doing it for, you know, a little over a month. And I mean, for a lot of people, it's very spiritual. For me, I'm still at the stage where it's just like, it feels awesome. You know, I'll meditate and come out of it going, yeah. holy shit, I feel like I'm stoned right now. Yeah. So, And, you know, it's just all these weird feelings that you're discovering while it's happening. And I'm like, yeah. fuck, this is fucking rad, man. And it's not on a spiritual level for me at all yet, but I would love for it to eventually. What spiritual level? What would what do you mean spiritual level? Just a, a level of, you know, my teacher was saying how, you know, you start to feel connected to everything because we all are connected. We all come from the same you know, if there was a big bang, if, you know, we all come from space dust, yes. we're all made of the same thing. We're yes. all connected. I'm connected to this mic stand, to you, to your right. hat. Right. And, um, you know, I would love to feel that connection eventually. Well, you know, that, yeah, this is like a, um, it's an interesting thing. So your mind is thinking, this is the effect that I would like to have from this yeah. thing, even though the thing that's happening is spectacular which yeah. is that you're you want in, more you're enjoying it this is the pro you know this is in with meditation in particular uh in in certain traditions there is always this it's not like there's rules but right. there, generally yeah. people are saying just forget about it enlightenment and forget about the reason you're doing it yeah and, and and forget about getting anything out of it. Mm-hmm. And it's not saying it's they they don't mean it in a way like oh how greedy of you to want something out of this. Of course you want something out of it because you're a human and you're searching for and you're searching. Yeah. But I think they mean it more like when you have a thing you expect from meditation, yeah, then you can miss the real yeah. thing, which is something that is pure novelty and so this is like in um a lot of stories about someone meeting their teacher yeah the uh the teacher that they meet is never who they expected the teacher to be like totally you've heard these stories before it's always a filthy sick angry yeah violent sometimes out it's always what you don't expect and yeah i'm like 
this guy looks just like me. Like, this guy probably goes to, you know, it, I mean, one of the first things we talked about was like, because I started, you know, just like a week or two before Star Wars came out. And he was like talking about how excited he was for Star Wars. I'm like, what? Yeah. You're a you're a fucking meditation teacher and you're excited for Star Wars? You can't this, do that. This commercial, like. Yeah. He's like, I love Star Wars. Why wouldn't I be excited for it? Yeah. And I was like, all right. And then once we started, I was like, yeah, I'm still excited for Star Wars, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's not a radical... It's not like you're going to grow wings or something like that. Yeah. And the more... And, and the the mind is always... That's one of the tricks that it plays on you, is it creates an expectation. The expectation is inevitably... The expectation can only be as good as your mind. It can yeah. only be at what, however apt your mind is at summoning up some yeah. result or some predicted uh, goal, some predicted result. Uh, that's how, what, what you're, what, that's as good as you can do. Yeah. So the idea is, but imagine something that's very exciting, which is that your mind yeah. can only summon up a tiny, 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 tiny watered down version yeah. of what's potentially out there. Yeah. And that's where you get into stuff that I've been thinking about a lot lately, which is the concept that we are in a uh, conversation with the universe. Yeah. So that everything that you think you aren't is chatting with everything that you think you are. Yeah. And so you add, when you start thinking in that way, which you know, a lot of people will say, don't do that because that creates a dualism, you and the rest of the universe, and this is seeking a non-dual experience, blah, blah. Yeah. But a lot of other spiritual paths will say, no, it's all about loving dualism. Uh -huh. You want to, because it's like, what kind of relationship do you want to be in with a, a gal? Do you want to be in the kind of relationship where you think about her all the time, You, when the songs come on the radio, mm -hmm. you think about her, mm -hmm. you give bring her gifts, yeah. you... Uh, you you when you she you get a text from her your heart flutters or do you want to be in the relationship where you're finishing her sentences you know everything about her you've become one thing you've merged together as the 50 year old golf couple that doesn't talk to each other yeah, yeah. for weeks at a time because they're somehow telepathically they connected. To, yeah. That's the difference between dualism and non-dualism. And bhakti is the idea of like, this is a living universe that is filled with love and you can have a romantic engagement with it. Yeah. And when you add that component to a spiritual practice, then you open up the door for gifts yeah. from the universe that are going to be a million times yeah. greater than anything you could expect, and your expectation can only limit those yeah. gifts. Which I, which I, that's what I'm into right now. It's pretty, pretty fun to imagine, to let yourself pretend that that is a potentiality. Yeah, I'm still just finding new things every time, and it's, and the, I mean, I haven't, honestly, I haven't done it like twice a day every day for the full like there are days when i'm like i wake up i'm like fuck i'm late i gotta go and i'll miss meditating mm -hmm. but you know i pick it up when i can um but i definitely notice i'm a lot less anxious in the car if i've meditated in the morning i'm not i don't have any fucking road rage but also you know when i started i found i had like completely preconceived ideas of meditation yeah like i was like i mean even in you know, my teens and college and stuff, I was like, who would fucking met? That's weird hippie shit where, yeah. and I picture, 
you know, uh, a mantra as something, I never knew it's something you just internalize. I always thought it, people are sitting there going, Amalababa, Amalababa, like saying the, this weird fucking shit over yeah. and over, like, Amalababa. Yeah. And, and, and also I was like, these people, you know, I imagine people trying to go into a space where your mind is completely blank and nothing is happening. And then my first few times meditating, I was like, my brain was going a million miles an hour and, yeah. and we had finished and you'd be like, well, how was it for you? What, what was it like? And I'd, I'd be really, you know, kind of frustrated. I go, I, I, I think I did it wrong or it was horrible. Like, you know, as soon as it started, I, I would be, be saying the mantra in my head and it would, I'd start to get mellow. And then I all of a sudden be like, oh shit, rent's due tomorrow. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Oh, rent's due tomorrow. And then, oh fuck, what time is it? I'm going to have traffic going. Like your mind yes. is going and he's like, that's completely normal. And that's supposed to happen. It's, you're getting rid of these, this is stress in your body and your mind. And it's, it's like in the dreams when they say you dream, your mind is, you know, working shit out. It's the same thing. You know? Oh yeah, always going, man. It's always going. It's always just under the surface. Always, always doing its thing, and yeah. and 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 it's not. It's not just that the meditate meditation is causing your mind to do it. It's just yeah. that the meditation is just letting you see. It's the same as like you always have a pulse. Yeah, but you're, you're not. not you're not of aware of it until you put your finger on your wrist or on yeah. your neck, and then you feel like shit. There's a pulse going, and you always have a whirlwind of. Um, of of thought that's happening just under the surface, and yeah. and it's a and it's a spectrum that goes from the conscious to the unconscious mind. And meditation yeah. lets you see that shit, and it's amazing. And it's amazing to realize in the morning that you've already gotten in a fight with someone and you haven't even run into them yet. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you're like going, oh fuck, I have to deal with you know my landlord overcharging me for rent and. Yeah, yeah, and it's already you're, all that. The war is already being. There, there's war rooms yeah. happening in your mind that you weren't even aware of. There's planning yeah. sessions going yeah. on, getting ready for these conflicts that they're setting you up for. You're all tight, and you didn't even know that you were. You didn't even know you had the bowstring pulled back, and that yeah, you were yeah. about to send an arrow flying into somebody. And what's really cool about the the the, the practice is that it shows you, okay, you're gonna get in a fight today. Mm-hmm. And it, maybe you can't stop it. Do you, that's another aspect is you realize like you start coming into contact with how much of yourself you can control and how much of yourself you can't control. How much free will do you really have? How much autonomy do you really have? Yeah. Who's the doer? Who's making shit run in this yeah. thing? And then you, 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 you know, like um, those uh, steering wheels that you can give to your kid that you put in the passenger side yeah, yeah and the kid will pretend he's driving the car yep and you start realizing that you are that kid yeah and that you've been pretend driving your life around even yeah. though there are greater forces at work yeah pushing you in these directions yeah that you that you and after the fact you'd be like oh yes of course that's why i did that you rationalize the 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 behavior mechanisms the conditioned behaviors and pretend that you made the decision but you really didn't make the decision at all. Yeah. And that's a pretty amazing and, and fun thing to, to, to witness. Yeah. And especially to back it up, not to go back to poop transplants, but when you realize <laughs> that it's the, that apparently these microorganisms inside of us are controlling us to some degree, it's pretty wild to consider that 
perhaps this control that they are wielding over our species, yeah. uh, part of the control is they lull us into a sense of autonomy that isn't even there. They make us think we're the ones deciding on the cupcake yeah. when in fact it's just a signal that they managed to get into our yep. neurons that yep. made us eat one. It's crazy. I mean, the more I do it, the more you're just like, and I've also experienced it with, you know, like drugs with like mushrooms or stuff that you're like, fuck, man, my mind is capable of so much more shit. Like I, you know, I have moments when I'm doing it and like every thought is in my head at once and it's kind of frustrating, even though I still feel awesome after it's over. But then I have times when I do it and I am completely blank and I feel, you know, I meditate sitting up, but I there's been times when I've done it where, like, halfway through, I feel like I'm laying down on my stomach and, like, I can't feel my limbs. And you're just like, you don't want to come out of it. And you're like, this is, like, must be what it was like in the womb. Like, I feel so fucking wow. just encased and awesome. And and then you're like, you're like yeah, my brain is got so much more fucking potential in it you know yeah and in the same way that your mind is always swirling with thought patterns and supposedly simultaneously to all the insane drama that's happening that space that you're talking about bliss yeah peace equilibrium yeah is also always there yeah it's just there but yeah. it's kind of drowned out by the layers and layers yeah. and layers of defense mechanisms, distracting thought patterns, conceptualizations of the future, regrets over the past. But it's 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 it, so this is all this is the 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 mind fuck of certain meditation paths is is there there's stories of awakening mm -hmm. where people saw like a drop of water <clears throat> land in a puddle. Yeah. And yeah. Unit unit <laughs> unit of consciousness. Yeah. You know, like it that it, it, it just can happen where you just for you get lucky or you're pra or you have the karma or you've, yeah. you've done the practice and you just shift into that state. Yeah. Minus the meditation. Because the now that people who are meditating who start meditating, a lot of the times they will they will say, Well, I meditate twice a day. There's like these windows where they do a formal meditation practice. Mm -hmm. But then there's other schools of thought which are like, oh, yeah, but you can meditate whenever you're breathing. Mm -hmm. You can meditate in when you're in traffic. You mm -hmm. can meditate wherever there's breath, there can be meditation. Right. And so then you get into a deeper thing where you realize that your mind has played another trick on you, which is that it's created a boundary yeah. in your life. This is when I'm meditating. Here is the sector. I sit down. Yeah. Follow my breath, relax into it, uh -huh. and now I'm meditating. But really, that's just an illusion because you're meditating all day long. Yeah. You're it, you're always in a state of peacefulness. You're always in a state of bliss. Yeah. It's just that you've decided in these moments in that you're going to designate 20 minutes twice a day to feeling it instead of yeah yeah I I remember you know when my friend Stephanie uh, was telling me about this teacher she's like you should really try. Because I was so depressed going into the holidays, you know, because my dad passed away in August. Sorry. And Oh, thanks. And it was just the roughest year watching it happen. And often I found myself thinking about you, you know, when your mom had passed away. And I was just like, this is the fun. 
I mean, it was the hardest thing I've ever had to deal with. But it, at the same time, like looking back on it, it was really fucking interesting to see the 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 emotional and mental changes my dad was going through dealing with it, where he went from being afraid. First, told, and like you see these stages of like denial, like, oh, yeah, my knee's fucked up. It'll be better. And then, all right. And then all of a sudden, he's just, you get to a point where you're like, this is probably it. And then yeah. he's afraid. And then, and then he's, you know, gets past that. And then he's just worried about my mom when he's gone. And, yeah. And you're just, it's fucking really interesting to see. And then also, I remember, you know, he, he my parents were from Riverside. So, it was driving distance for me, so I, I was just always driving back and forth to the hospital, and I'd just be sitting in traffic, really fucking depressed. And I'd look over, and I'd see someone in their car, and I'd just be like, she has no idea my dad is dying. Yeah. And I was like, and you feel really alone, but then there would be some days when I'd do it, and I'd go, fuck, her dad might have died. She, That's right. And if he hasn't died, her dad's going to die. Yeah. She's going to fucking die. We all have to fucking go through it. Yeah. So I went from feeling like the most alone to just like almost connected with everyone. Like, wow, this is fucking, this is it. This is, I haven't lost, you know, a close relative ever until this, this past year. And also, you know, it started with Harris dying in February. Yeah. Um, so it was just all overwhelming and it just really made you think all at once. And, but then after it was over, I was just super depressed, you know, I was glad I got to spend a lot of time with him, but then I, I just felt bad for my mom. And so it just spent, sent me into this really bad depression. And it was like right before the holidays. My friend was like, you should really try meditating because nothing. I was smoking a lot of weed and that was yeah. kind of making it worse. And uh, yeah, it really fucking. I, and I remember, you know, she gave me the teacher's name and I called him. We had like a conversation for like half an hour. So I was just kind of feeling it out, and I was like, I mentioned, like, I was like, you know, when I was in college or even younger, and it, the feeling's kind of gone away the older I get, like, there would be moments, and I'm, maybe you've experienced this or people listening, where you just feel like your normal self, not happy, not sad, not angry. You're just walking down the street or something or, you know, sitting in your car, and then just all of a sudden, for no reason at all, you feel extremely happy. Yeah. You know that? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And, and that hadn't happened for me in like 20 years. But like in college, I would just be like sitting in my dorm room going, oh, I got a test tomorrow. And just looking at the wall. And all of a sudden, for no reason, I would feel overwhelming joy. Like, yeah. for no reason. And then the second my mind would go, why do you feel like this? It would go away. Yeah. And then I was always like, oh, that was awesome. And I would try and make it come back. But you can't artificially make it come back. And uh, I was, oh, it didn't go away. It didn't go away, but I just became too aware of it and kind of pushed it down, you know? Yeah. And uh, he was like, yeah, there are, you know, are people that can feel that way, like, all the time. You know, they're like, yo you know, yoga masters or, you know, um, these yogis who are just like, that all the time and I'm like fucking I want to I want that you know what we call it enlightenment going home enlightenment such a lofty word it's going home yeah. that's the experience of home yeah. that's the feeling of being at home in the world wherever you happen to be it's home yeah. enlightenment is home and and uh just a 
it's a, a fantastic thing to just to get that one flickering moment. Just that that hey, is, even five seconds. That's a gift. It's like wow, that it gives you energy. And you're but like, how glorious great. to realize because you know so many of us think that it's gone. Yeah. You know, like I can remember my experience of it uh, was when I was a kid. The first time I felt that thing you're talking about, I remember. I remember when I was a kid, I was uh, walking to the beach with my mom in St. Simon's Island, Georgia, when I was very, very young. Uh-huh. It's one of my earliest memories. Yeah. And I smelled a flower. Yeah. And everything was perfect. Mm-hmm. The flower smelled so good. I was going to the beach. Yeah. One of the I just I remember that feeling. I remember that moment. It was this beautiful moment. I was very young. So then you get older and you have maybe another moment and it's random, just like what you're saying. Just all of a sudden, I can remember one sitting in my algebra class in high school, looking out over the mountains in North Carolina and all of a sudden feeling like, God, this is a beautiful, beautiful life. And then it's gone. But you start when you get older, you think I'll never get that back. Life. I'm adult now. I have fucking responsibilities. The weight of the world, like. And this is the story of the prodigal son, mm-hmm. uh, which is the story of you know the wandering miscreant who is left home to fucking yeah seek his fame and fortune. Yes. And- yeah. And then he's welcomed back to the house of his father. Yeah. And it's like there's no judgment. There's no – it's just you, you get to immediately go back there. But the beauty of it is when you're a kid smelling a flower, you don't know because you've never left the spot. Yeah. But when you've left the spot and then you get to come back, yeah. you can really appreciate it. And so it's a kind of amplification that couldn't be there minus the yeah. kick, being kicked out of the Garden of Eden, yeah. the fall from grace. There's all these varying stories about it. Yeah. But it seems to be an almost a kind of price that you have to pay because it seems like the... Um, well, it's like Campbell's you know, hero's journey of yes. coming coming home different yet you know completely changed and that's for the it. better that's it yeah and it sucks because the um some people never go never make it you don't you're not guaranteed to make it back there yeah. but if you've done it once uh if you've done it once so you've so i can't remember i was just listening to this jack cornfield lecture about in buddhism how i think they call this Something like the symbols used for it is something about like hunting the ox, how it's like compared to someone who has caught, who has lost an ox and is trying to find it. And like when you're hunting anything, one of the greatest moments in the hunt is finding it. Is finding the first track. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, because if you can find the track, then you know it's out there. Yeah. So when meditation, when you've been given the gift of just, oh, shit. It's a feather from the phoenix I've been hunting. Look, there it is. There it is. There it is. I'm not out of my fucking mind. I knew this thing. I instinctually knew that this was a possibility. And there it is. And then, you know, as as the practice continues, you know, you start seeing more signs of it until at last you find it. And then and then, you know, and then is it enlightenment? Is it a permanent state? Who knows? But I do think that those moments can be can be expanded by milliseconds you know it, it and, and eventually who the fuck knows i don't know i mean really you, they always say don't think too ramdas says uh so you know sometimes people will say i'm going to get enlightened uh-huh. and he'll be like okay 
well, I'll see you when you get back. You know, like, have fun. You don't have to go anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You could just, you could just, you, you could do it right here. But man, that's cool. It's so good to hear that you, you started doing that. It's so important. Yeah. Because it, and not just important. It's so simple. So simple. So simple. It's like inside of you, you know? Everyone's trying to fucking, you know, I was just in Best Buy today and I was about to pay. A thousand dollars for a robot vacuum cleaner. <laughs> like my mind was like telling a Roomba me, type, yeah, uh... a Roomba, a nice Roomba. My it's mind was crazy. telling me the answer to your problem mm-hmm. of feeling empty is to buy a Roomba. Yeah, that'll solve the problem. And everybody's got some version of that in their mind. Yeah. Like I'll get a, I'll get a. What are those? Those like a. Uh, tube speakers or i'll get a oh, sound bar sound bar yeah. that'll fix the problem an apple watch a raise getting famous a new girlfriend better weed uh I'll, I'll, I'll oh there's a you name it there's a million ways that your mind will tell you oh this is this the answer will better me yeah and but when you realize all you have to do is find a spot in your house where you can sit down <laughs> yeah and start following your breath it doesn't have to be a mantra <laughs> just follow your breath and and um, you'll start having some of the most amazing experiences that you've ever had. No psychedelics and no drugs. Yeah. Completely sober. And that's a mind fuck, man. That's a uh, mind fuck. When all of the society that we're in is telling us you feel guilty of all the shit you've bought. Like, yeah. why did I buy that TV? Why the fuck did I buy that's a right. Dyson vacuum cleaner? A Dyson. I've got a fucking broom and a dustpan. Yeah. Yeah. And it's fun to sweep. And and, yeah. and 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 the uh, the the so this is the subversive aspect of meditation, which is that because we live in a society based on commerce, and because most human interaction is taking place in a generally with one human playing the role of someone taking the money, mm-hmm. and another human playing the role of someone giving the money, it's very hard to believe that there could be a way to access the feeling that comes from getting a new car, moving into a super nice house, whatever the thing. Because really, if you think about it, when people don't want things, people want the feeling that things give. Yes. They're not interested in the thing at all. It's like you get a thing, whatever it may be. I'm trying to think of like the most recent stupid thing I bought. Like, uh, been getting better uh the more and i think it is from meditating because now when i go into i was holding the roomba in best buy <laughs> and i was feeling the weight of oh the roomba God, yeah. and the weight was good and i'm like oh, oh yeah, yeah this makes is, it fucking oh, tangible the, it's the weight, there the weight of this roomba you can feel the happiness and uh, the weight and then i was thinking of the standing in line with the roomba and then getting back to my house i guess and charging the roomba and then letting the roomba clean the floors and then I realized at the end of this, I'm going to feel the exact same way I do prior to getting the Roomba. It's not the it's not the answer, but yeah. but but the feeling that I was looking for is a feeling that that can come uh, from just being in the moment. My God, have you ever like there's a there's a tree in front of my house that is filled with hummingbirds. And if I sit and stare at the tree and get very still, they'll start coming out. And then you realize that the hummingbirds 
have different pathways into the tree. Like there's basically tunnels into the tree that they fly into. Holy shit. And then you start witnessing that this tree is an ecosystem. It's like a kingdom of hummingbirds. And it's right there in front of you. Like a ton of hummingbirds. Yeah, a ton of hummingbirds. They live in there. Amazing. And, and it's, a, it's a, all kinds of birds and all kinds of things. And then you're realizing like, oh, and then there's a falcon <laughs> that flies over. And then there's the sound of the the way the wind is blowing through the trees. And then there's, you know, the echo of my neighbors. And then there's the, you know, then you start realizing, like, holy fuck, there is this entire alternate dimension, mm-hmm. an absurdly beautiful, complex dimension that's happening around me at all times. But because of my constantly trying to find a place of peace through interacting with technology or buying stuff, I'm missing this mind-bendingly psychedelic universe that's around me at all times. And then you realize, oh, well, maybe it's because it's so overwhelming that you don't want to deal with the fact that you're surrounded by a, a superorganism that is is like a fractal of... Uh, beauty that yeah. y- you could go deeper and deeper into it and then when you realize and this is what meditation gives you that you are like that fucking tree filled with hummingbirds and then you realize that you're made of the same beautiful you're totally connected to it yeah yeah you're it no like inside you are of the you. tree yeah. yeah inside of you yeah in the form of thoughts in the form of memories or all these hidden beautiful things that yeah. are living in the ecosystem of yourself yeah. that are right there for you to observe yeah. and then where it gets really weird is you start realizing like shit there's all these different parts of me as i watch myself all these oh i know i'm not my thoughts because i'm watching my thoughts i know i'm not my feelings because i'm watching my feelings mm-hmm. well what the fuck am i and then you then you start realizing i can't find me in here i'm not here mm-hmm. And that's where that fuck. That's where the flip can yeah. happen. And suddenly, that that's where you'll have you at least where I've had those moments of, you know, merging or whatever. Yeah. Few and far between. Few and when, far. Between. When did you start meditating and getting into all this? Because I mean, I've known you for I I don't know how long. Ten years. Ten maybe? years at least. Like, I don't remember you always being. Maybe you just weren't vocal about it at that point. And this was also before podcasting. So before podcasting. But it was it was well, a lot of it was for my mom. When you're when a parent dies. Mm-hmm. Now I was into this stuff before, don't get me wrong. Right. But it's like like I can my mom was always like uh got into this stuff when I was in high school and she was dating guys that were into it. And I can remember sitting on the porch with a guy she was seeing. And they'd been going to some meditation group together or something, and he's smoking a cigarette. Real somber, glum dude. I don't know what happened to him. But <laughs> he's like smoking a cigarette, and yeah. he, like I was telling him, I want to, me- I want to meditate. And he's like, "You don't need it right now, kid. You don't need it." He's like, "I'm, f- I'm 40. I have to do this stuff because like, like, it was shitty." But I know what he's saying. I know what he's saying. It's like when you. When a parent dies, yeah. when a friend dies, <clears throat> yeah. you you suddenly get insider information mm-hmm. about the way this thing we're in actually works. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people who haven't that, had that experience, they don't fucking not they. Don't, it's harder for them to understand mm-hmm. just how precarious 
the position you were in is if you were walking on around on planet Earth, mm-hmm. you were in a, the most hilariously precarious, impermanent mm-hmm. situation yeah. that anyone could get into. Yeah. Guaranteed to die. Everyone you know, like you said, everyone's going to die. Yep. And your parent, you're going to have to bury your mom. You're yeah. going to have to bury your dad. You're going to have to bury your dogs. A lot of burying that you're going to have to do in some form or another. And when you start talking like that around people who maybe haven't gotten the insider information, they say to you, you're so negative. You're so dark. It's like, no, I'm reflecting exactly my experience of what's happening, Mm -hmm. which is that we are in an interdimensional airplane terminal, and we're all sitting here waiting for a plane, and we don't know what time it's going to come, but it's definitely going to fucking come. We don't have the schedule. Oh, oh, mom, your flight's here in the form of a diagnosis. Oh, we just got a call. Your your flight will be landing in two years because you have breast cancer that's metastasized into your... Uh, into your bones, and yeah. so you're. So that's you're. You are destined to leave this dimension at this time, yeah. and so this is the way it works, and that's where we're at right now, and uh, and I don't consider that to be a dismal thing. I think that the the I when I was younger and I would hear about the Buddhist practice that they do, which is so wild, is they will go at least the monks will go to burial pits, and they'll sit at the edge of open graves and they'll meditate over the course of days watching bodies decompose watching their yeah yeah watching the way their skin changes color and their eyes sink back into their head yeah and they'll sit and meditate because the, the idea is to make sure that you understand how the river of matter that you happen to be part of right now transforms over the course of time yeah and so the way the river of matter that you happen to be in transforms over time is it starts as a little baby it grows and grows and grows and then it begins to disintegrate it's afflicted Mm -hmm. with this disease or that disease and then it begins to diminish and diminish and then it transforms into either dirt or soil or ash depending on how you decide to have the matter disposed of and that's what you really are you're a moment in a process Mm -hmm. and the more you start understanding that that you're just part of a process that's happening then the less you're going to get attached to any given moment in the process and it's a bit of a relief though even now as i'm talking about it it is quite terrifying i don't want to die or get old (laughs) no i i know i and you know it's weird you know my dad i mean the, the whole thing took place over a year and which is fucking horrible i couldn't think of anything worse to experience like putting myself in his place i'm like that was the hardest thing anyone would have to experience but and also it was hard to watch i mean it was you know don't take yourself out of that one man. and there were people in my family who didn't go visit him as often as they could yeah because it's hard to see that and i like totally don't blame him and i'm like yeah fucking i get it i didn't want to go see this shit yeah i'm glad i got to and it was almost a blessing in that you know i got to see all those stages that i'll someday maybe have to live with like it kind of prepares you and also if my dad had just had a heart attack one day and died while i'm at work or shooting something somewhere and i could just get the call going oh your dad's di- died i w- it would have killed me way more than just 
watching him die over a year. Right. It would have been so much harder. Like, I didn't get to fucking say I love you. I didn't get to say it one last uh, time. I get, didn't God, get to yeah. go and make him laugh. I didn't, yeah. didn't get to spend hug him or spend any time. Oh, just, yeah. Oh, now he's somewhere else. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's true. There is a gift that comes from that kind of long progression. And then there's also a trade-off because, you know, when someone dies suddenly, it, it, there, there's, there's, it, it has its own beauty to it in the sense that you, you, they don't suffer as much yep. and, and they don't have to go through it. And they're, they're, this is why, like, um, I always get confused about Jesus being the representation of human suffering on planet Earth mm. because Jesus, it took him three days to die via crucifixion. Mm-hmm. And I always think, man, that's like kind of a easy way out. That's pretty quick. That's quick compared to a lot of people who are yeah. going through these long, prolonged illnesses, which I think is very difficult. When my mom was, my mom died. Like my mom got the diagnosis and then it took her like three years to die. Jesus. And so that was, that was uh, a lot of like, oh shit. Maybe she's gonna get better, followed by like you know the phone would ring and it's your mom and you're like oh shit oh shit oh shit oh shit, hello. Mm-hmm. So I got the tests, the tumor markers are up again, or I got the test, it's moved into my liver. You should probably come home, mm-hmm. like those kinds of things. And that's, uh, you have to take you have to be real easy on yourself, man. Yeah, because it's it's like. I don't know what it is of how people think when their parents die, you're going to bounce back. And it's you're it's you're not going to bounce back for a while. No, no. And it's easy to forget that. Yeah. Because you start thinking like, all right, you know, it's not like any other thing. One of my friends sent me a, an an email after my mom died, and he said. Your snow globe's going to be shaken up for a while. <laughs> Takes a while for the snow to settle back. Yeah. Yeah. And I really appreciated that because yeah. I I was man, I was How long ago did this happen? August 22nd. Oh, see, yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah, see your feet haven't even touched the ground oh, yet. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you're like you're in a a, a balloon right yeah. now floating above the ground and maybe the balloon touches every once in a while but it's like yeah every now and then it's like it was weird because you know when I wouldn't be home like I, I passed on a lot of work because I didn't want to be out of town I'd booked this really awesome movie in uh, South America which I was really excited I've never been to South America it's shot in Bogota, Colombia and like I was really excited, but I was also kind of scared. I was like, my dad's not doing great. But at, at that point, it wasn't like, you know, I was like, he could live another year. He could, it could, you know, he may have a while. And then like two days before I was supposed to fly down to South America, I woke up in the morning and I saw a voicemail from my mom. And it, it had been at a point, you know, for like a month where it's when I see my mom calling, you're just like, oh, fuck. Yeah. It's either going to be, hey, your dad had a really good day today, or it's going to be, you may want to come home. And you're oh. just like, fuck, it's just, you hate seeing, it's horrible because you hate seeing their name on the caller ID. Yes. And uh, so I woke up to that and she called. She's like, your dad's in intensive care. He, oh. uh, he, he's he got pneumonia. And I was like, 
fuck? And so I had to call the producers and the, you know, and say, I don't know what to do. I, I know what I should do. I, you guys are paying a lot of money to have this movie made and which seems weird that I'm even saying that, but, and you know, they were great. It was James Gunn. He was the writer and producer. He's like, dude, stay, stay home. He's like, I would be disappointed if you went. And so that was a huge relief. And then it was just kind of all downhill from there. You know, I forget where I'm even going with this story, but it was like, yeah, it was the phone. Oh, it was the phone calls. And like, you know, well, what you were talking about the, 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 you were saying, you know, how difficult it is for the dying person to go through. And then you were sort of remarking how difficult it is to watch. But, and I was thinking, but it's also, yeah, it's also a blessing that you get to spend time with them and experience this to prepare you for it later in life as well. Like with, you know, now I kind of know what to expect. Like if my mom gets sick, God forbid, you know, I'll be able to deal with it a little easier maybe. I don't know. I I mean, probably not. But but also I feel guilty about that because I'm like, it would have been better for him if he just had a heart attack and died in his sleep. Right. For him, this was the worst case scenario. Right. And it sucks having to see him suffer. But And it was interesting, you know, because my mom, you know, towards the end was when he was really sick after he had the the pneumonia for a few months, it was – you know, I'd just get calls every few days and she'd just be crying and then I'd be crying. I'm going to start crying right now. But um, so the day he, I wasn't there the day he died. I saw him the day before he died. We knew it was going to happen. And then uh, my mom called me and I saw her name on the caller ID and I'm just like, oh, fuck. And I answer the phone and I'm like, I don't, I was like, I don't think I have the energy to listen to my mom cry for yeah. another half an hour. And she, and I answered the phone and he had just passed away. And it was like part denial, but like a huge weight had been lifted off my mom's shoulders. Yeah. She was like, it was, I had not heard this tone in a long time. It was just like, hey, what are you doing? I mean, it wasn't that, but she's like, hey, it's mom, uh, your dad died. But she was like really yeah. relieved. And <laughs> no, no, she called the night. I, I'm getting in a little confused. She called the night that he died. She said he had died. We both cried. Then the next day right. is when she called. And I was like, oh, fuck, man. I don't have the energy. And I picked it up. She's like, hey, what are you doing? It's mom. And I'm like, hi. I haven't heard. Because yeah. this was the first day in a year that she didn't have to go sit yeah. beside her uh, dying husband. That's all she did for a year, which is crazy. Woo, man. Oh, God, man. Uh, yeah, you never. F- I remember that call. I remember when I got the call about my mom, and uh, and it is the 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 there's the confusion of because there's relief. It's like such a relief. You're you're this person isn't suffering anymore. You're not suffering anymore. They're free. Mm-hmm. There's a palatable sense that they're free. I could you feel their presence in some way. You feel. I don't know if you felt it. I felt. Yeah. I still feel it, but you get this feeling of like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. I'm okay. And, and this is another step in the process. I've just experienced the end of the shittiest part of it, you know? Yes. And you've got it. And, and the message, cause I think that, um, Ram Dass talks about dying a bunch and he says a few things. One of them is dying is safe. 
dying is the safest thing in the world. And the mm-hmm. other thing he says is, it's like taking a shoe off that's too tight. And I've heard other people describe life mm-hmm. as an as a as waiting in line so that you can experience the beauty of death. <laughs> and that 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 for the for the universe to work the way that it works mm-hmm. from time to time it has to bubble into experience yeah. which we're in right now yeah. and experience all the joy and all the suffering of human incarnation and all the limitation of human incarnation so that it can truly enjoy the incredible beauty of being no yeah. longer encumbered with uh, the limitations of a human or whatever the particular form of life that the soul has gone into. So I think that uh, this is why your mom sounded like that is because if if you're in, in the presence of a being when their soul is finally freed from the, uh, uh, it's like one of the jaws of life Pull mm-hmm. the kid out of the car, man. It's like this is like finally they get to a to drop their body, and I think that the mm-hmm. the person who's that that you can feel. I mean, I <clears throat> I'm a hippie. Fuck it, I, I think <laughs> I think you can feel their soul mm-hmm. as it as it as it. And, and when the soul is no longer trapped in the body, it's like an atomic blast of love that comes yep. just just. It's like watching. Have you ever watched? this very poignant video of the laboratory chimpanzees Mm-mm. who finally get let out of the laboratory for the first time. They've never been outside. They've been stuck in these fucking shitty cages their whole lives, but mm-hmm. someone arranged for them to no longer be laboratory chimps. Right. And so you can look it up. There's a video of them as they come running out of the the enclosure yeah. and they, they're they hugging each other. They're looking Ugh. around and they're so happy that they're hugging each other yeah. and they're so filled with joy. I think that's what happens when you die. I think it's like a laboratory chimpanzee getting let out of its enclosure. The thing that you thought was this everything so important, so dramatic, so serious, so imperative from from your career to falling in love to the kids to taxes. When you finally get out of the body, I think only based on the con- on things that i've heard from other people and the yeah. and, and 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 encounters with that moment of love that you were yeah. talking about that yeah. comes from meditation i think it's like wow yeah. awesome this is fucking great holy shit yeah. i am free yeah. and i think that the next thing that you think because i is oh man i wish i could tell my kids don't worry yeah enjoy this drop the heaviness if you can get the most out of the limited time that you're here don't get caught up in the in the inconsequential sure minutia that drags so many people down into a miserable life and don't fear this thing because you're coming home you're coming home your plane's coming and you're coming home start crying in a second uh it's it's interesting because you know I went to uh, at the funeral. My mom was like, "Yeah, we should have an open casket." And I was just like, "That's something I always dread." Like I've missed a lot of funerals because I didn't want to see somebody dead, and uh, I was like, "Well, this is my dad. I have to go to this fucking funeral." 
And I went and I walked in. And I was one of the first people there because I was like, I don't want to fucking cry in front of a bunch of people. And I walk in and I see the casket on the end of the chapel. And I'm like, oh. and I walk up to it. And there's my dad. And I just looked at him and I was like, didn't feel sad. I was like, and I just stared at him like really close. I'm like, oh, he's he's gone. This isn't my, di- this is a fucking. That's right. A shell. That's this a shell. is a fucking transportation to this is like a car yeah the engine's been let go like this is that's it this is a prop this isn't my dad yeah and it wasn't sad and like people were coming in who weren't around like relatives who weren't around when he was passing away and and friends and they're all walking up to the coffin just fucking sobbing and i'm standing there just feeling huge relief going he's you know, I you know I've not been a religious person, but I'm like, I feel like there is something else. I'm like, there's an energy in the universe. I don't know what it is, but like, it's not in this body now. It's scattered among us. Maybe it's watching us. I don't know. But it was a huge relief to just see a dead body because you're like, whatever pain he felt is gone. This is just, this is just part of the. His body is just part of the coffin. This is just that's right. You know, furniture. That's right. It's you know? it's a shell. It really is. And and yeah, and it's a it, you know where did it go? That's a fun thing to think about. And uh, and what is it? That's a fun thing to think mm-hmm. about too. Uh, that's a fun thing to think about. And and you know, like you want to think, uh, you know, the dis the the concept of oh, it's dispersed. But uh, I don't know, man. I love I I love the Bhagavad Gita, and when um, there's like one of my favorite verses in it is about dying, and it's Krishna talking to Arjuna, and he says, "Never was there a time when I did not exist, nor you, right? Nor shall there ever be a time in the future where any of us will cease to be." And That idea, if you play around with just that idea, that you've always been around, mm-hmm. Steve Agee has always been around, your dad has always been around, and your body is a radio that genetically and neurologically and karmically, metaphysically, perfectly is tuned in mm-hmm. to the energy that is Steve Agee, that yeah. is an eternal energy that has always existed in the universe and it has because you know you could take it out of the realm of faith or woo-woo bullshit to think okay big bang most people who are scientific materialists tend to believe in the big bang Mm -hmm. we know that there was some massive explosion something like what 13.6 billion years ago sure prior to this explosion theoretically everything that exists in the universe was compressed into a singularity, something they say that was as small as the head of a pen, something not crazy like that, impossible to understand. So all potential data sets were encapsulated in this one super compressed information packet, which is the pre-existing universe. And the Big Bang was the manifestation of all those compressed data sets exploding out of the singularity like 
the things flying out of Pandora's box mm-hmm. and all stars, suns, black holes, supernovas, all known and unknown. Plants, as- matter, wa- everything. Yeah. Every thought, every word, every embrace between mother and child, every fart was composed, compressed in that fucking super, uh, super data set. Yeah. So that means that you're, if you exist now, you were in there. Yes, yeah. your potentiality was in there. You can even work it backwards saying, you know, I was a baby once before that. I was a fetus before that. I was, you know, uh, I was a sperm that, you know, implanted in an egg. And, bef- bef- you know, before that, I was a sperm in my dad's balls. Yeah. And my dad was a child once. And then my dad, and you can just keep going back and back and back till to the first man, to the, you know, to the man who was the monkey, to the, the little amoeba that crawled out of the soup or whatever and just keep going back to the big bang or even if you're religious like going back to adam in the garden and being made from god like he made god out of his you know out of himself and so even if you go back from a religious standpoint we're all we all come from the same thing. We all come from God. Yes. And if you believe in God who's always been around, then we've always been around. And, but you know, what What you're saying, so there's two, okay, there's two ways to look at it. And, and the the Buddhist perspective is, it feels like what, is what, you, what you've described. And, and uh, so like they'll say, okay, look at a book. Look at a page in a book. You're seeing part of the process of the, uh, if you think about a book, Thich Nhat Hanh describes this in a beautiful way. So like it's a meditation on a book. On the book itself. Yeah. Look at this book you're reading. Uh, what you're seeing used to be a tree. Yeah. You're seeing part of the process of this tree. Uh, and this tree used to be a seed. And before it was a seed, it was the precursor materials. Mm-hmm. Oxygen, soil. And so... Uh, you know, ultimately, there's a kind of dispersal that happens, you know, where the, the, the thing that was a tree that became a book, it's moving through the universe and all these varying ripples that consist of all the different forms that its atomic structure yeah, is taking. That it's moving. Down. But, but the, and the Buddhists will say no essential book. Book is part of a process. And the Buddhists will say no soul, no essential Steve Agee. Mm-hmm. Steve Agee, the personality, part of the process, but no essential Steve Agee. So that's the Buddhism. And that's where a lot of people, that's where this wonderful and hilarious rift happens between mm-hmm. the impersonalist, as they're called, and the personalist. And so uh, the other version of it is no. There is an aspect of the human <laughs> that is eternal, yeah. transcendent, ever existing, ever present, does not need a body to exist. And they say, they describe it. It cannot be cut. It cannot be burnt. It cannot be weathered by the wind. It is, it is, it is never, oh God, I can't remember the whole quote. It's really psychedelic. So this is the, this is the soul. The Atman, as it's called. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> the implication is, if you... And you don't have to buy in any of this fucking shit. You just... The way I do it is I pretend. Mm-hmm. Well, what if that were real? What are the implications if there truly is some unknown energy field known as the soul that dives into the human 
incarnation in the same way like a dolphin jumps out of the water. So mm -hmm. a human life is like this spiritual being that's jumped out of the ocean and for a, a moment has this thing called a human life. However you live is whatever trick the dolphin does before it plunges back right. into the nothingness right. or, or back into where it really belongs, where it's meant to be. Right. So the implication is this. And it's an important question, and as ridiculous and absurd, delusional, insane, grief-stricken, hopeful, whatever you want to call it, if you're a, a, a cynic and, or a skeptic and you should be, the implication that you must test is, can I still communicate with my father? Mm. Can I still communicate with my mother? Is there a way to still make contact with a disembodied being right. that is no longer present in the material universe in the form of its body. And so this is where you get into, with that question, you start getting into the idea of, well, what is time? Yeah. And so, because if we are, if there is no, if there's, if everything is happening at once and our perceptual mechanisms are giving us the impression of a past, present, or future, mm -hmm. then that means theoretically you could at least communicate with your father prior to his death right. through some unknown medium because there's no such thing as time and even now you and your father are still sitting together at some point right. in the greatest moment of your life with your father. It's eternally and perpetually happening. Right. And so these this is, gets really fucking trippy because you can start playing these, to play around with this idea, you start doing an experiment, which I've been doing lately, and it's super weird and fun, is you start sending good vibes back to previous versions of yourself in the past. Hmm. So like right now, think of you two seconds ago and if, as much as you can, harvest some love or some like, I love you, I forgive you, you're cool. <laughs> Me, I, you're <laughs> yeah. gonna be fine, things yeah. are getting better. And send that back to past the past version of you. And then in the moment, See if you can experience future versions of you sending that vibe back oh, into the wow. past. <laughs> oh, that's trippy, Yeah, man. it's trippy, man. It's trippy because you can feel it. Yeah. And then you start realizing, oh, okay, I think that, like, maybe there is a, 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 this, I, this illusion of time as the thing that's separating me from all those who've, who've gone before. Right. But it, this is a veil that's been placed in front of us for some reason so that we could really get into this game of right. human incarnation. And I think that the ancestors want us to do these experiments because uh, I think they maybe, and I don't know that they experience frustration or anything like that, and it's stupid to ascribe human emotions to whatever's happening over on the other side of time, yeah. but I think they probably would like us to know that they are uh, accessible in a right. different way. And also when you get into epigenetics, it gets really curious too, which is like the idea that phobias can be uh, given to... So like you, there's a... I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, and I'm sorry if this rant is going too long. They, yeah. they did a, a wild experiment with mice where they exposed mice to the smell of cherry blossoms while giving them some kind of negative stimulus uh, so that they began to associate the smell of cherry blossoms with like getting a shock. Yeah. So the progeny, the 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 the, the mice's kids, who've never been exposed to cherry blossoms. Oh yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. When they smell it, 
they still the, freak out. Freaked out. So that means that so so the that that's called epigenetics, and it's the mm-hmm. idea that these phobias or or uh, aversions can be somehow through some un the, it's mostly unknown mechanism. I think these data packets can actually be genetically sent from parent to child. Mm-hmm. So what else is getting sent? Mm-hmm. If the, the smell of cherry blossoms is making it down there, are there other bits of data that we don't know encoded into our DNA that are direct connections to whatever the experience of our parents was? And if that's the case, how far back does it go? And this is where you get into all the... God, I wish I could remember where I heard this. I I can't remember if it was a podcast or on a TV show or something, but it's very similar. It's like someone was talking about there's these chickens, this breed of chickens that like, if they see the shape of a certain like hawk fly over... They're like terrified. They run and hide. Um, And even the little chicks know when they see like the shadow of this hawk flying over, they fucking freak out. And then, God, I hope I'm telling this right. The scientists, you know, created the same shape of a a hawk in the form of a cutout and they would send it over the chicken coop, but backwards and it wouldn't freak the chicks out because it wasn't in the same pattern as a hawk flying forward. Just the fact that it was flying backwards made its tail look like its head or whatever, and they're like, oh, that's not what I need to be afraid of. Yeah. So it's like it's in... It's built... It's in them, It's built into them. So, yeah, there's a lot of, like, ways that you could sort of conceptualize the concept that your dad or anyone that you've lost is... that, that. if your mind has constructed a version of the universe where death is a singularity and all forms of self are completely obliterated, never to be found again, ultimate formatting yeah. of the hard drive, yeah. zapping into zero, complete non-existence, then you've created a version of heaven. Mm-hmm. Because what and what, I mean, what I'm talking about is like as ridiculous a version of heaven is a streets of gold and angels on clouds and all the harps. Because when have you ever experienced nothing? And when has anyone ever experienced nothing? And where yeah. can you say that there is nothing to be found? Yeah. And and where you find nothing? And you know, I, Heidegger has this fantastic essay that I understand maybe 15% of it on the concept of nothingness, which is <laughs> that nothingness itself is a hilarious thing because even the attempt to define nothingness the word nothing makes is the nothing something. is something yeah. and so and so it's all pointing in the direction of the dream of nothingness the nightmare of the atheist the ghost story of the atheist or whatever you want to call it or the reality of the atheist which is you die no soul all gone empty nothing 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 is actually pointing in the direction of a thing that no one has ever experienced yeah. an unprovable thing which is yeah. you show me nothing find me a bottle of nothing Nothing. Show you can show me an empty bottle, but the fucking bottle's filled with stuff. It's got stuff yeah. in there. Where's the fucking nothing, man? Dark matter makes up eighty percent of the known universe. There can't be a nothing if it's. I don't think there can be a nothing as long as you're conscious. Like oh. you have to basically be dead to experience nothing. And that is. And all of this is all theoretical, but mm-hmm. it's got to be a theory, which is the idea like, okay, so human nervous system stops functioning, consciousness is annihilated eternally. So that's the idea. And uh, 
man, I just think that that's like uh, if your radio could play Michael Jackson and had so was sentient, mm -hmm. and the radio was like, please don't turn me off, or I won't be Michael Jackson anymore. Yeah, it's like you're just tuning into this to to a frequency of a thing. Yeah, and but then all that being said, it's a mystery yeah. and it's an unanswerable mystery and. Uh, and it's a delightful mystery to play around with. Oh, to let run. Which we won't know until we're there, or we won't know because it's not there. Or... I think it's a, you know, I I think it's a there, and I think it's a lot. I mean, I always my fantasy is always like, uh, it's the uh, futuristic video game arcade that was beautifully embodied in the Rick and Morty episode, but it's oh, yeah. like. Uh, uh, I think it's more like uh, a drug or something coming down on the couch with your friends and you're like, whoa, fuck, man. Yep. I thought I was human. I thought you were my dad. Yeah. I think it's it's something or another way that I like to think of it is um, my uh, when I, I one of the weirdest dreams I ever had was in the dream. I was a little girl. And uh, okay, it doesn't. It's good. <laughs> I was a little girl sucking a horse's cock, and the horse was my father. That's a weird dream. No, no, in the in the in the dream, I was uh, this little girl, and I was sick, and but I was really young, and it was a weird dream because I've never, as far as I can recall, it's the only time I've dreamed I was a different gender. Right. But uh, I, I was like, I knew something more was wrong with my head. And I knew that I was something was happening to me called dying, mm -hmm. but I didn't understand what dying was, and I didn't know what was going on. But my mom was like running her fingers through my hair, and I was knew that I was experiencing the thing that they called dying. Mm -hmm. And then I opened my eyes, and I'm like, "Whoa, what a weird fucking dream! I thought I was a little girl who was dying." Yeah. And uh, that's sometimes I think, oh, maybe that's what happens with death. It's like there isn't the new age phenomena of going to the great crystal magic land in the sky where you swim with astral beings yeah. and rainbow pools and yeah. contemplate your next incarnation. Yeah. It's just bam, next one, bam, next one. And each one, maybe you wake up from a dream and maybe for a flickering second you look back on this life that you had as much as you could remember for the dream, yeah. but you're that attached to it. Just like, wow, weird, that was weird. Ah, whatever, got to get on with my life now. Yeah. Maybe it's like that, you know, who knows? I don't have a problem with that. I do. You do? Yeah, man. I don't like that version because that's unrelenting. That that's unrelenting. That that that's like, are you fucking shitting me? Ground. That's Groundhog Day. That's Groundhog Day. But worse, yeah. that's Groundhog Day with amnesia. So it's added to yeah. it. You know. So so it's like this is the unrelenting, never-ending, constant, ever eternal, always existing, right. no break. You don't get a break. Right. There's no rest. There's no going into the light and seeing your relatives. There's none of this nonsense. It's an endless work day, and it just keeps going on and on and on and on and on and on forever, taking on all these varying forms. And this is why they say, if you want to understand how long you've been incarnating, into this reality the con the mechanism they use to describe it is imagine a dove flying over the Himalayas with a silk scarf in its 
speak in every like you know there's very i think it's every hundred years it flies over and the very tip of the scarf brushes the very highest most peak of the homologous the amount of time it would take for the scarf to erode that mountain oh, wow. into a valley is how long you've been existing in this uh Thing that we call human incarnation and that That's means that exhausting. it's exhausting <laughs> yeah. you've been everyone's yeah. mother everyone's father yeah. everyone's sister everyone's brother everyone's lover you've gone through every single possible version of the game and you'll keep doing it forever and ever and ever yeah. until you finally wake up and gain true liberation yeah. from the samsara as it's called Fuck! I'm ready to die now. Ready to die, <laughs> brother. I, I think we've uh, we're at a good time now. Um, I could talk about this for hours. Me this, too. It's fucking great, man. We'll have to do it some more. Um, yeah, for sure. But thanks for coming in. This anytime. Was, I've been thanks, wanting man. to talk about this for a while. Wonderful chatting with you, Steve. Do you have uh, anything coming up you want to? Uh... Yeah, man. I've got a. I've got the biggest comedy tour of my life coming up. Uh, it's starting in late March. It's the You Are God tour, and all the dates are at DuncanTrussell.com. I'm gonna be all over the East Coast, so Whoa. it's there. It's like 30 shows. Holy shit! I know. That's exciting. I can't wait. What kind of venue? Oh, sponsored by Squarespace. I got to say that too. Sure. They got us a bus. Yeah, you, I noticed your Squarespace tattoo. <laughs> On my soul. <laughs> uh, that's great. And uh, you can find Duncan on social networking at Duncan Trussell. At Duncan Trussell. Yeah, yep. On all formats. That's it. And my all website's right. DuncanTrussell.com. And Duncan has a great podcast as well. The uh, Duncan, Duncan Trussell, Trussell Family, Family Hour. Right here on the Feral Network. That's right. Our home away from home. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming in, Dust or, uh, Dustin. Dustin. I was looking at Dustin. Uh, Duncan. Thanks, man. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. How do you reach that? <laughs> Feral Audio. Want entertainment designed just for you? Then check out customizable streaming TV from Xfinity. It makes your life simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity gives you customizable streaming TV options. Enjoy the most free shows anywhere on any device and even access your streaming apps right on your TV with X1. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply.